Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Story time. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Last weekend, the adventure club from the small, private university I attend in Southern California decided it would be enjoyable to go on a night hike at Mount Baldy. For those of you who don't know, Mount Baldy is about an hour east of Los Angeles and is pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It is a beautiful mountain for hiking and attracts a good amount of outdoorsy folk. However, it is in no way a beginner's hike. It is difficult, and you have to be in at least somewhat decent physical condition to tackle it. Anyways, on Friday, we all met at one of the university parking lots around 6.30, and arrived at the mountain around 8. About 50 people went all together, 
which they said was the largest group they've ever had attend an event. This was also my first trip with this club, and I had only signed up about a month prior. We drove through a small town that sat at the base of the mountain, which I thought seemed very cool. It had a lot of small bars, restaurants, and hotels, and had a very rustic, lodgy feel to it. There was also no street lights anywhere to be seen, which gave everything an eerie feel to it, but also made everything feel that much more authentic. We wound up a road to a parking area at somewhat of the base of the mountain. When we arrived, we all parked along one of the mountainsides and met up. Our leaders talked about what to do and what not to do, and informed us that there would be a leader in the very front and in the very back at all times, to ensure we kept everyone together and no one got lost. By this time, it was very dark, and about 8.30. We began to hike. The first thing I realized was how out of shape I was. I should have prepared more for the hike, but at least I wasn't in the very back. The hike was dark, and very steep. If someone were to have fallen off the edge, they would have at least been knocked out, and likely drowned in the river that ran below. This wasn't my main concern, though. As I walked, I was constantly cycling through the stories I'd heard about the strange things that went on in the mountains at night. People disappearing, strange creatures, unexplainable noises, etc. Needless to say I was making a point of staying extra alert. Around 10, we reached a ski lodge, which was said to be the halfway point. We took a break there for a bit, but moved out shortly. The only thing I really remember at the ski lodge was the amount of feathers on the ground around it. They looked like owl feathers maybe, and were large and brown with a black circular shape on them, and two other small dash marks on either side. The strangest thing though, was their arrangement. Many of them were arranged in circular patterns, or triangular patterns on the ground. I didn't think much of it, but it definitely gave me the creeps. We continued to hike, and eventually after about an hour, realized we were going the wrong way. At this point, it was almost midnight, and the guides decided it best to head back down the mountain, considering that if we altered our path in order to make it to the summit, we would not reach it until around 2 a.m. I was personally fine with the decision of heading back down, as I was tired and extremely hungry. Then they made another announcement, telling us that before we went back down, they were going to let us stargaze and then tell one scary story just for fun. I was up that, and thought it would be a nice break. We all took our packs off and sat, listening to the guide. He began to speak about a hike he had been on previously to a mountain similar to this, and how there were strange noises and footprints of Bigfoot or something, but that's all I heard. My attention shifted instead to something that made my stomach churn and my heart skip a beat. I sat on the outside edge of the circle of hikers, and I looked off to my right while the rest focused their attention on the guide's story. There was no light except for the moon, but my eyes had adjusted at this point. As I stared off to my right, I found myself staring at a large pine tree. It took me a moment to realize, but toward two-thirds of the way up the tree, there appeared to be the shape of a man? Animal? I don't know, but something was there that was not part of the tree. I stared at it for a long while, and it appeared to sway in the wind with the tree. Then, suddenly, it climbed down, looking almost ape-like when it did so. I froze. 
I could not tell if what I had seen was my eyes playing tricks in the moonlight or if it had truly been, something. I decided not to say anything to anyone, as this was my first trip and I didn't want to sound like an inexperienced idiot. We began to hike down. And I couldn't wait to be at the bottom. I was genuinely scared, and my legs were shaking as I walked. About a quarter of the way down, the guide in front motioned for everyone to stop. We did, and everyone fell silent. It was then that we heard the whimpering, of a girl. We called out and searched around nearby, and eventually someone found her. A girl sat on a fallen tree trunk on the slope of the mountain, a girl from our group. She was staring off into space, crying. I watched as the guides approached her and asked if she was okay, to which she responded, he's not here. And after that, to every question she was asked she repeated, he's not here. I was spooked, and decided to start walking on my own back down to get off the mountain as fast as possible. I know, I know, stupid idea, never go off by yourself hiking, especially at night. But I did, I wanted out of there, and fast. I jogged down the path as quickly as I could, thinking there was no way we were more than two miles from the bottom at this point. I jogged quicker and quicker, and that's where I stopped remembering. I can't remember after that, I've tried this whole week and I truly can't. And that scares the S out of me. I do remember when I woke up, however. But I'll save that for the next post because I need to go get some studying done right now. I'll talk to you soon, no sleep. And in the meantime, stay away from Mount Baldy. Four of us guys decided to hike up the mountain for an adventure, so to speak, and reach the summit to set up camp for the night. We loaded our essentials on our backs and set off walking. We began our journey at the State Department shed just south of the community of Mount Hood, walking east up the mountain. It was around 12 midnight when we started. Having grown up in the area and spent most of my time in the hills, I knew the terrain like the back of my hand. We thought it would be fun to travel at night, just to be different. About two hours later, we reached two-thirds of the way up the mountainside, approximately 500 feet below the summit. We stopped to rest for a bit before making the final push to the top. It was 2.20 am, if I remember correctly. As we were sitting there talking, suddenly, a very loud and piercing scream echoed from the ridge above us. Two long sustained screams were followed by a powerful growl. Needless to say, we were scared to death and literally ran down the mountain, not stopping until we reached the highway and returned home. Having heard just about everything there is in the woods, I knew it was not an elk, deer, bear, mountain lion, etc. The best way I can describe the scream is that it sounded like the alarm on a fire station. It was that loud. In June or July of 1982, I found myself in a bar in Yonkala, Oregon, when I overheard a story of a Bigfoot sighting in the nearby mountains. Intrigued, I decided to investigate with my friend Dave. We headed to Green Mountain, 1385 feet, east of Drain. Choosing the right fork, we ascended a very steep hill, entering dense timber in the watershed. The night was illuminated by a full moon 
and it was around 12.30 when we heard a scream emanating from the woods, prompting us to halt and investigate. Armed with flashlights, we hiked up a trail for several miles. Along the way, we stumbled upon several whitish piles of manure, approximately 30 within a 15-foot area. The droppings were about 3 inches around and contained maple leaves. Intrigued but cautious, we continued, only to hear something in the deep brush of a canyon shaking trees and stomping on the ground. Suddenly, whatever it was charged up the hill, snorting and screaming. Fearing for our safety, we sprinted back up the trail to our car and hastily departed. In an attempt to scare off the creature, I fired my .22 into the air. To our shock, all hell broke loose as what seemed to be a family of six to eight creatures started ascending the hill. The night became a chaotic blur as we retreated from the mysterious and unsettling encounter. It appeared in the summer night of 2016. I was driving home after doing some shopping in a nearby town, all alone and just listening to the radio. It was just before sunset on a beautiful summer day, and I was admiring the bright orange sky while driving through some S-curves in the road. As I made the first turn, I saw some deer dart across the road. Immediately, I hit the brakes to slow down, unsure if there were more deer to come out of the woods on the opposite side of the road. The road dropped down a steep embankment to a farm field. I had slowed the car down and scanned the tree line for more deer. That's when this thing jumped out of the woods, running after the deer. It landed in the middle of the road and cleared the rest of the road in its next stride alone. It's so hard to comprehend what I saw, but it sounds like the descriptions that people have claimed. It was a gray figure with a short, sleek coat. I did not see a tail on this creature. It was on all fours and was the same height as a deer. Its head, though, was very odd. It looked like a dog's head with cropped, pointed ears but had a very short muzzle. It briefly turned its head towards me when it crossed, and its eyes, I wouldn't say they glowed, but they weren't normal animal eyes. They were like a dull yellow and definitely stood out. Its body was what really confused me because the way it moved was like a human would when trying to run on all fours. Its gait looked lazy, like it was just kind of loping across the road. It was very muscular on the front end but had a very thin, almost sickly-looking abdominal area and hind legs. Once it was across the road, I lost sight of it over the embankment. I was so confused about what I saw that I didn't tell anyone right away for fear that they would think I was crazy. I've been searching for answers since then but came up with nothing. Eventually, I told my husband and one close friend, but neither of them had heard anything that matched my description. I'm still not 100% sure that I saw a dog man, but it's the only thing I have come across that sounds reasonably close to what I had seen. In September 1982, I found myself on the hilly slope of a forest road, five miles west of Klamath Falls, Oregon. The air was crisp, and the promise of autumn lingered around. My wife and I had decided to take a leisurely walk in the Twin Lakes area, just west of the highway. Little did we know that our evening would take an unexpected turn. As we strolled through the peaceful woods, the sun began its descent, casting long shadows through the trees. 
The warm hues of the fading daylight painted the landscape with a serene beauty. Suddenly, something caught my eye, a mysterious silhouette moving gracefully through the trees. My heart skipped a beat, and the hair on the back of my neck stood straight up. I instinctively tightened my grip on my wife's hand. The figure, about six feet tall, navigated the wooded terrain with an eerie grace. The setting sun played tricks with the shadows, casting an enigmatic aura around the mysterious visitor. We stood there, silent observers in the fading light, captivated by the presence of something beyond our understanding. The rustling leaves and distant whispers of the forest created a surreal atmosphere. As the silhouette continued its silent journey through the trees, I couldn't shake the feeling that we were in the presence of something otherworldly. Eventually, the figure disappeared into the gathering darkness, leaving us with a sense of awe and wonder. The experience lingered in the air as we made our way back, the memories of that September evening etched into our minds. It was a moment when the ordinary transformed into the extraordinary, reminding us that sometimes, the mysteries of the forest are best left untouched. Before I say anything about my encounter, I just want to clarify that when I saw this thing, I went to Google and searched up what it was. I came across this website and found that another person in Jackson County had had an encounter with something like this, so I know I'm not crazy. I'd been studying wolves and their behavior for about three years before I had this encounter, and I know that considering Jackson County is about 656 square miles with a population of 674,158 and it being practically infested with wildlife such as deer, livestock, and predators such as coyotes and foxes, it wouldn't be likely for a large predator such as a wolf to be lurking in the sparse woodland. The average wolf territory is 13 to 2,400 me squared, and it'd be easy for such a huge creature to live just in Jackson County alone. This may even be the very same dog wolfman thing that the other person saw. Anyway, onto the encounter. I was just chilling on the laptop in the living room, watching people blow stuff up, when I felt like I had to go to the bathroom. I set the laptop down and put my headphones on the keyboard and got out of the chair. Let me clarify, I'm not a bloody psychic or a medium or anything, but I have a sort of sixth sense where I can tell if something is watching me, and I knew something was. We have a huge window on the wall just above the couch, and it was a particularly cold night, so the windows caught things like breath fairly well. I turned to the window, thinking that whatever it was watching me from there, and I knew I'd see it if it was we have motion sensing floodlights, and it'd have to be either standing on something or tall as the devil himself in order to see into the window of our trailer it was around 6 to 8 feet off the ground, with the top of it being about 11 feet. I looked over to the window, and the only thing I could see was that the floodlights were on and something seemed to duck under the window, like a kid playing hide and seek. I didn't think anything of it, Considering our neighbors were a sort of druggies and alcoholics and often came to look in our windows, and every opening to the house was locked, so I had nothing to worry about. I went to the bathroom, and when I finished I washed my hands and went back to the laptop. I noticed that the floodlights went out, so whatever it was gone. Not thinking anything else of it, I went back to watching people blow stuff up. I should mention also that my eyes are sharp, 
sharp enough to spot a bird about 50 feet away in a tree, so it's no surprise that when the floodlights came back on I noticed immediately. I glanced up from the screen, expecting a drunken or high idiot to be looking in with a stupid expression on his face, but I was frozen by what I saw. It was a huge, huge wolf, that was looking at me with dirty amber yellow eyes. Its ears looked like they were torn or cropped or something, and the face looked sort of human-like. Not really a full human face, but more like the jawline looked very masculine and human compared to the rest of its face. Its lips were curled back and it seemed as if it were snarling, though I couldn't hear it if it was, and its breath caught on the cold glass. It was so tall that the top of its head was halfway up the window, and if I had to guess how wide it was I'd probably say maybe the width of my shoulders. I knew that whatever it was, it most likely had wolfish instincts, so I did the only thing I knew to do, which was avoid eye contact and make yourself look as small as you could whilst having your throat and underside showing. This is a very common submissive position, and although I was scared out of my mind, I knew that holding eye contact would make me seem like a challenger and running would make me seem like prey. When I did the submissive position it must have worked for it to leave me alone because it just hit the window, which made the entire trailer shake, and it went away. I hadn't heard or seen anything else like it since, although I do hear the odd howl coming from the back roads. God help the poor idiot that decides to try and hunt this thing down. I can tell you know that whatever it was was not friendly because if it were, it wouldn't have slammed my window as hard as it had and it would not have been growling like I'd taken its food. Although it practically did assault my window, I could understand why it was upset. I was on its territory, after all, an intruder and possibly a threat to its existence and its prey. It's really just best to stay out of its way and respect it. After all, it is one of God's many strange creatures in the world. In Kansas in the early 2000s, if you know anything about Kansas, you'll know it's dry, flat, and void of much forestry. As a kid, I lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere. I remember that we had our own playset outside, complete with swings and monkey bars. Nearby was a large patch of overgrown weeds, almost as tall as six feet in some places. I hated playing at the playset because sometimes around sunset, I'd see red eyes from within the weed patch. I told my grandparents, but they dismissed it as coyotes. However, one day, I wanted answers, and I approached the weeds. Upon closer inspection, I saw a creature that looked similar to a dog with shaggy white fur. I remember thinking its front paws looked like those of a gorilla. The creature moved away from me, and I never saw it in that weed patch again. A year later, I saw the same figure lurking in the dark outside of a house. I was so paranoid that my mother could not get me to leave the house for a long time, except for going to school. I haven't seen this humanoid since, nor am I completely sure if it's the fabled dog man. This is a story told to me by a good friend that I go to church with. I know 100% that this is a true story. I'll do my best to tell it best I can but as you read it, it will become clear why some of the facts are hard to find and get to. I have spoken to my friend a few times about this at great length and the event is totally amazing, to say the least. 
This took place in the late 1980s in and around the Hotch and Colmar area of Bell County, Kentucky. This area has had many Bigfoot encounters or stories over the last 50 years. Well as the story goes several teenage boys were doing their normal thing around here, teaming up and going four-wheeler riding on the old strip mine roads and logging roads. This is a normal thing around here and a fun thing to do on weekends. Some of the four-wheelers had two boys per four-wheeler in total, there were around five to eight people in this riding party, maybe a few more or less. Well, as they are going up one of the strip mine roads they see what they at first think is a big stump on a ridge but as they get closer the stump is moving. The road they were on went towards this big thing, as they got closer it started coming toward them, and of course they hit the gas on the four wheelers and tried to hurry past the massive creature. At this point, the Bigfoot really starts chasing the four wheelers. The Bigfoot cuts down the ridge to try and cut the boys off, the first few riders make it past the area where the Bigfoot is coming to, but my friend's brother who is on the back of a four-wheeler with two people on it are at the end of the riding group line. Well, this Bigfoot makes it to the cutoff point at almost the same time as the last four-wheeler with the two boys on it. The Bigfoot makes a grab for the boy on the back of the four-wheeler. This is my friend's brother. It either grabs him slightly or the four-wheeler, not sure on this but one or the other, and almost rips him off the four-wheeler, but due to the speed, they rip loose from the Bigfoot. Of course, these boys are scared almost to death about this and now all these years later it is very hard to get them to even speak about it. I talked to my friend about maybe getting his brother to tell me even more details but he said he can't hardly talk about it without breaking down and crying as it was so terrifying. My brother and I were waiting for our bus, at our usual corner stop. It's about three blocks away from our house and there's a pretty densely wooded creek nearly one to two blocks behind our bus stop. The first thing I noticed that was off was that my brother was standing completely rigid, staring intently down the long road, there are only two street lights and a few automatic porch lights down there. I shook him a little bit and asked what he was looking at. He shushed me almost immediately. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a large, black shape darting on two legs across the street, to the line of houses on the other side, before disappearing. Thankfully, our bus arrived soon afterward, so we got out of there. I have never told anyone this but in 2014 I used to work at a Thai restaurant that was right next to a Walmart. Once in a while, when my break would start I would walk over to Walmart. One time, I was walking on the sidewalk about midway between the two buildings and a woman exited the Walmart with a young child in a stroller. As I walked past them I looked at the child and it looked over at me, and I'm not joking when I say this, the child's face turned grayish or green, expanded somewhat on the sides, and stretched out a bit in the front, its eyes turned black. It glared at me and stuck its tongue out at me. This only lasted a couple seconds. Its face and eyes immediately went back to normal and it looked away like nothing had happened. I instantly knew that it was mocking me and did it deliberately so that I would see it. There was no one else on the sidewalk. It happened very fast but I remember it very clearly and think about it every once in a while even though it happened 9 years ago.
When it initially happened I thought the child's face was shifting because it was about to throw up. But then, when it stuck its tongue out, I realized that I had just witnessed it shift on purpose. I know what I saw and even remember knowing exactly what I was seeing as it was happening. I instantly knew that this thing had done so intentionally and it was not some mistake. I have never been able to get the image out of my head. The best reference I can give is from the movie The Devil's Advocate. There is a scene where the women are trying on clothes in a store and as the one woman pulls her dress over her head to try it on her face morphs into a demonic shape for a couple seconds as she looks at the other woman. That is exactly what happened to me except it sort of looked reptilian or demonic at the same time. Can't stop thinking about what happened. Does anyone here have experience with these things? My older brother Jake has always been fascinated by cryptids. It started with the classics like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, but soon his passing interest turned into a full-time hobby. If there was a story about a mythological creature anywhere in the world, Jake knew it. I can't blame him. Our parents passed away a few years back, leaving us with a bunch of money and nothing to do with it. Whenever he talked to me, excited about a new creature sighting, I always just let him go on. Earlier last week he showed me a new news article. A woman had been attacked near an abandoned town in the Australian outback. Whatever had attacked her left long straight cuts across her back as she escaped. Jake was pretty sure he knew what had caused it. He opened one of his books and slid it over to me, pointing to a passage. It read. Malingi. In Australian Aboriginal mythology, Malingi is a spirit of the night who, during his travels in the dark, seeks to find his way home. Malingi's stone knees knock together as he walks. Both people and beasts fear him for he kills tribesmen with his stone axe at the slightest provocation. Other animals, such as the eagle hawk, may be killed with the stone knives attached to his elbows. His face is said to be an awful sight, with burning eyes that make him appear to be a devil. The Encyclopedia of World Mythology and Legend, 3rd edition. So Ryan, you feel like heading to Australia? He asked excitedly. It wasn't the first time he'd suggest a trip to look for a creature, so I agreed. Jake chased his creatures, and I got to travel. I figured it was a win-win. We arrived in Australia, got a rental car, and set off into the outback. As we drove further into the interior, the road turned to dirt and I started getting worried. Our rental car looked new, but we were already far from cell reception. It would be very bad news if we broke down. After another few hours, we arrived at the ghost town. Decrepit wooden buildings littered the landscape, most clustered close together as if bracing themselves for a storm. I rubbed my dry fingers together, thinking that there probably hadn't been a real rainstorm here for years. Jake pulled out his gear, a long-range listening sonar dish and headphones. He fiddled with the wires muttering to himself. All the stories say you can hear their stone knees clack together when they walk. If we can catch that sound. With his sonar dish assembled and headphones in place, we began walking through the town. We didn't hear anything for the next hour and a half. Jake had almost given up when his face lit up. Come on, he shouted, taking off between two abandoned houses. I chased after him, 
my mind more on rusted nails than angry aboriginal spirits. But then I heard it too. A soft clacking sound. I turned a corner to see Jake staring up at a piece of metal swaying from a rope in the wind. It swung and hit the side of a pole, making a distinctive clack. Let's get out of here, he said, disappointment coloring his tone. We walked back to the car. Before I got in, I noticed several long thin scratches crisscrossing the side panel. My mind flashed to the car insurance Jake had said no to. Did we drive to close to some bushes on our way out here? Ryan, Jake said, his voice low. Yeah, I said, trying to contain my annoyance. It was then that I noticed the clacking. It was louder and closer this time. I stood up, turned back towards the town, and saw two dozen pairs of flaming eyes staring out at us from between the houses. Clack. Clack clack. Clack clack clack. The clacking resumed, coming from each pair of eyes. They were getting closer. We jumped into the car and Jake turned the engine over. I shot a look out the windshield. I saw a dozen glowing eyes just a few feet away. Jake slammed the car into reverse, backing down the road, turning around, and driving away. I can't think of any other explanation for what we saw. I don't think they wanted us near that town. This took place in the state game land 110 in Berks County, Pennsylvania in early February of 1991. Two hunters were looking for roughed grouse along the mountain ridge. The weather was cold and overcast. A foot-thick layer of snow blanketed the ground and an additional inch of ice on the surface made walking difficult. The hunters had to lift their feet high and stomp down to break through the ice with each step. Near midday, the witness Dan shot a grouse and called out to his friend. His friend was 75 yards away and took at least 15 minutes to trudge up through the ice and snow. After checking on Dan the friend took another trail back toward the mountain top road where they were parked. Dan stayed where he was for a while. The clouds of his breath circled his face as he heard his friend's footsteps crunching off into the distance. After a quarter hour of silence, Dan remembers that when his friend walked off he heard his footsteps. Dan turned in the opposite direction from his friend and faced downhill along the ridge. While looking down, in the distance a large dark figure was running up along the ridge. The figure stopped in a clearing about 100 yards away and seemed to notice Dan. It charged towards him moving even faster than before. The strange figure was running silently, not crunchy through the snow, silently at full speed up the hill as if the snow and ice weren't there. Dan froze. He knew he couldn't escape as each step was a struggle. His light birdshot ammunition would be useless against the massive creature. The figure stopped about 50 feet away. Dan pointed his shotgun at it hoping to intimidate the potential attacker. At this point, he's not really sure what it is. The massive figure didn't flinch, didn't make a noise, and seemed completely unfazed by having a weapon pointed at it. Now that it was close Dan got a better look at it. He could see that it was at least 7 feet tall and though he couldn't see its face through the long hair he could make out the shadow of its deeply set eyes staring at him. The creature had covered nearly 200 yards uphill through deep icy snow in only 2 minutes and wasn't out of breath. In fact, Dan couldn't even see its breath in the cold air. 
The tall hairy humanoid stared at him completely silent. Dan calmed down and as he realized the figure wouldn't attack. Maybe the creature was sizing him up. After a minute or so it calmly turned back and descended the slope in the direction it had come. The huge beast Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. Paused. Turned back to look at Dan once, twisting its upper torso, then continued along the ridge line. Dan later met up with his friend on the road. He explained what had happened. His friend, who was 6-1 inch tall and weighed 200 pounds, tried running on the flat even road to recreate what Dan had seen. After three steps he fell flat on his face, proving how difficult it was to run in those conditions. Although Dan's friend didn't believe him, he didn't argue with him. Dan continues to believe that he encountered a Bigfoot that day. I was driving home from doing some shopping in a nearby town and was all alone just driving and listening to the radio. It was just before sunset on a beautiful summer day. I was admiring the sky because it was such a bright orange. While driving through some S curves in the road, I made the first turn and saw some deer dart across the road. Immediately I hit the brakes to slow down, not knowing if there were more to come out of the woods. On the opposite side of the road, it drops down a steep embankment to a farm field. I had slowed the car down and scanned the tree line for more deer. That's when this thing jumped out of the woods running after the deer. He landed in the middle of the road and cleared the rest of the road in his next stride. It's so hard to comprehend what I saw but, it sounds like the descriptions that people have claimed on here. It was a grey figure with a short sleek coat. I did not see a tail on this creature. It was on all fours and was the same height as the deer. His head was very odd. It looked like a dog head with cropped pointed ears but had a very short muzzle. He briefly turned his head towards me when he crossed in his eyes. I wouldn't say they glowed but they weren't normal animal eyes. They were like dull yellow. And they definitely stood out. His body was what really confused me because the way it moved was like a human would move when trying to run on all fours. Its gait looked lazy. Like he was just kinda loping across the road. It was very muscular on the front end but had a very thin almost sickly looking abdominal area and hind legs. Once he was across the road I lost sight of him over the embankment. I was so confused as to what I saw that I didn't tell anyone right away for fear that they would think I was crazy. I have been searching for answers since then but came up with nothing. I eventually told my husband and one close friend but neither of them had heard of anything that matched my description. I'm still not 100% sure that I saw a dog man but it is the only thing I have come across that sounds reasonably close to what I saw.
My wife and I were taking a late-night stroll through a wooded area near our home in Omaha, Nebraska. This was back in the late fall of 2018. We know the area well and have frequented the grove many times. As we approached the wooded area we could see lights from the houses beyond the grove shining through the trees. As we approached we noticed there appeared to be shadows darting through the trees. We immediately thought there were children playing around down there. We decided to go and check it out and possibly to scare the kids for fun. We got close to the trees and realized there were no children in the grove of trees, no one could be seen at all. We took a side entrance into the grove and walked into the trees, wondering if the shadows we saw simply came from the light from the houses in the distance, like maybe our eyes were playing tricks on us. The grove was well lighted as there was a lot of moonlight and virtually no leaves left on the trees. It was fairly cold, it happened before the first snowfall and dead leaves littered the ground. As we walked holding hands into the grove we abruptly heard a footfall in the leaves, at that time the unknown entity crossed our path. It moved in glimpses as if under a strobe light, only no light was given off. As it crossed our path it was visible one moment and then gone the next. This alternated as it strode in front of us. It smiled at us and appeared to be waving. I wasn't prepared for this and seeing it froze me in fear. The entity was a biped that stood taller than me at 5 foot 10 inches. It was completely naked, though no genitalia could be seen. Where human genitals should have been there appeared to be nothing there, as you would imagine a doll would look. Its skin was a dark grayish color. It had very small black eyes which reflected the moonlight. Its ears were tight against its head, the ears came to a point. The jaw was bigger than any human's. The jawline went all the way up the sides of its head as if its smile stared behind its ears. Rows of sharp white teeth were visible as it smiled at us. It had slits for a nose that were slightly flared at the top. I can't remember how many fingers it had but it definitely had digits that it held up as it waved. The encounter lasted all but a few minutes. The instant I was able I twisted my wife's arm and I grabbed hold of her wrist. I'm twice my wife's size with a very athletic build. I ran at top speed literally dragging her in the dirt through the leaves out of the grove up the grass hill through the soccer field and into the street. As we reached the street I noticed my wife was yelling and screaming at me to stop, and go back, go back she said. As she badly wanted to make contact with the entity. But my fear overpowered me and I dragged us both into the house. From our doorstep we could see the grove of trees. I immediately said don't say anything. As I didn't want our testimonials to become tainted with any kind of suggestion from one another. I separated us into different rooms and had us write down our testimonials of what we saw. To no surprise, we both described the same entity with the same features. This event has affected my life very negatively, as my family thinks my wife and I made it up or are just plain lying to get attention or something. Not knowing what this entity was keeping me up many nights. I must have thought about every possibility. I thought could it have been a spirit? A human in Hollywood-style movie makeup, maybe a Scooby-Doo type hologram projector, or even an alien. To this day not knowing eats at the back of my mind. I fully know aliens exist. With the vastness of space and the countless stars in the universe, it becomes clear that we cannot possibly be the only life.
Even now I can feel my heart racing as I recall the event. Did I miss out on a one in a billion chance to possibly communicate with another intelligent life form? I only have one regret in my life, and that regret is not going back to find out for sure what it was. If we are ever going to communicate with beings like this, if indeed it was one, we need to have love at the center of our awareness, so we don't flee in fear for no reason. For a long time I never told anyone but my closest friends and my immediate family for fear that people would think we were crazy. But it's come to a point that this itch in the back of my brain has gotten so bad I feel it necessary to tell others of what we saw. I've become so obsessed with searching the web for possible information on the existence of alien life that I often spend hours of my time sifting through garbage on the internet just trying to find someone somewhere who has seen an entity like the one we saw. I am not crazy. I am a former state certified law enforcement officer and academy trained in Tennessee and Ms. without question this creature is the real thing. I ceased driving at night and ceased going out into the woods. I live on 43,000 acre Pickwick Lake surrounded by forested national and state wildlife refuges in three states MS, AL, and TN sir, I have no reason to lie or fabricate a story. In all these sightings, on two of them, I had eyewitnesses in the vehicle with me. The MS Highway 25 sighting by the railroad overpass bridge in Tishomingo County, Minnesota was the same creature I saw on the levee on State Route 128 in December 2010. Apparently, these creatures travel in swampy or drainage ditch areas close to roadways, or in forested areas with thick tree lines near pastures. In the summer of 1991, I was driving between Forest, Mississippi, and Harper Valley on State Route 35, between 9 to 10 p.m. A wild-eyed creature, which the witness labeled as a like android, between the height of 7 to 8 feet tall on four legs passed in front of my vehicle. I was driving a 1987 Honda Accord four-door and my height was 6 foot 4 inches weighing 295. At the time of the sighting, I was an employee of the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Division of Parks and Recreation, stationed at Golden Memorial State Park in Leake and Scott County on Highway 492 as Assistant Park Manager. After my departure I relocated to Hardin County, Tennessee to 195 Goodman Street East XT Savannah, TN 38372 from 392206 and after my divorce relocated to 295 Windy Pines Lane in Counts, TN 38326, 2-06 to the present date. I again saw this creature in 1995 on MS State Route 25 between Elk Landing and Goat Island Road. The creature came out between the red brick house and railroad tracks and ran in front of my car into a kudzu bank in broad daylight. I saw it run across Highway 128 in Hardin County, TN between Sand Hill Holiness Church and Stag Lane. It crossed in front of my 1992 Cadillac Seville moving at a fast pace. That was in the fall of 2006. I also saw it at the four-way stop sign on Pibburn Road at Bruton Branch Convenience Store in the winter of 2008. 
The last sighting was on Pickwick Dam Levy State Route 128 just above the four-way stop sign with State Route 57 at State Park Golf Course. This was December 2010. In January of 1978, I was stationed at McGuire AFB, New Jersey. One evening, during the time frame of 3 hours and 5 hours, there were a number of UFO sightings in the area over the airfield and fort. Dick's Army Camp. I am a security policeman and was on routine patrol at the time. New Jersey. State Police, and Fort. Dick's MPs were running code in the direction of Brownsville, New Jersey. A state trooper then entered gate 5 at the rear of the base requesting assistance and permission to enter. I was dispatched and the trooper wanted access to the runway area which led to the very back of the airfield and connected with a heavily wooded area which is part of the Dick's training area. He informed me that a fort. Dick's MP was pursuing, sick, a low-flying object which then hovered over his car. He described it as oval-shaped, with no details, and glowing with a bluish, sick, green color. His radio transmission was cut off. At that time in front of his police car, appeared a thing, about four feet tall, grayish, sick, brown, fat head, long arms, and slender body. The MP panicked and fired five rounds from his 45 calories into the thing, and one round into the object above. The object then fled straight up and joined with 11 others high in the sky. This we all saw but didn't know the details at the time. Anyway, the thing ran into the woods towards our fence line and they wanted to look for it. By this time several patrols were involved. We found the body of the thing near the runway. It had apparently climbed the fence and died while running. It was all of a sudden hush-hush and no one was allowed near the area. We roped off the area and AFOS I came out and took over. That was the last I saw of it. There was a bad stench coming from it too. Like ammonia smelling but it wasn't consent, sick, in the air. That day, a team from Wright-Patterson AFB came in a C-141 and went to the area. They crated it in a wooden box, sprayed something over it, and then put it into a bigger metal container. They loaded it in the plane and took off. That was it, nothing more was said, no report made and we were all told not to have anything to say about it or we would be court-martialed. Morse, in subsequent conversations, revealed that two days after the incident he and others on duty at the scene were summoned to Wright-Patterson AFB for interrogation and each was transferred promptly to a separate base overseas. When I was in 8th grade, I was a pretty popular kid, well-liked, and I liked it that way. Before class started, a fellow student brought in a book on witchcraft. He said that there was a page with an incantation and if you say it three times, the devil will appear. Nobody would read it because they were scared, and to be honest, so was I, but I wanted to stay popular so I said I would read it. The gist of it was, as far as I can recall, a prayer to Satan, saying that he was the one true God and that I give my soul to him, etc. On the third time through reading it, I physically felt something pass through my body. It was like my breath was taken away for a split second. I got those cold chills, 
you know the ones I'm talking about, and I felt faint. I stopped mid-sentence and the kids freaked out. They said they saw something happen to me. My hair blew like a fan was on but there wasn't. They said that I was still for like two minutes not talking or responding to them. When it was over, I opened my eyes to see the kids in my class with wide eyes and their jaws open asking me if I was okay. I closed the book and told them what I felt, and they said they believed me because of how I was acting. I have never been one for believing in the supernatural, but when I feel myself starting to doubt, I remember back to that day when I was a stupid 8th grader who may have inadvertently sold my soul to Satan for a little popularity. I am Catholic and every time I go to confession, I ask for forgiveness from that, and I try to be a good man, hoping that when my time comes, I don't find myself on the wrong side of the fence. I have thought that maybe it wasn't Satan that passed through me, but rather an angel, protecting me and also scaring me straight by passing through me, in a way saying uh uh uh, don't do that. Either way, the story is true, and I will always carry that question with me, did I submit myself to Satan when I was in 8th grade? Little bit of backstory myself, male 31, and my girlfriend, female 26, recently, 6 months ago, moved into a block of flats next to a busy train line and on the site of an old granary. In our first couple of days of living here my girlfriend was doing the dishes and she felt a tap on her shoulder turned around expecting it to be me and no one was there at the same time I was coming out of our main bathroom I saw what looked like a foot retreating into the bedroom which I followed into the room and then the ensuite calling for her for her to then call back from the kitchen. We have then had a lot of interesting what can only be described as interactions with what we assume is a spirit. We have a TV and surround sound in the living room that the sound bypasses the speakers in the TV to the surround sound which has to be manually turned on. Late one night a couple of months ago I woke up to a glow down the hallway and sound I went through to find the TV and surround sound turned on with normal TV playing which we never use so we couldn't have left this on and the sound turns off after a few minutes of no active sound. We also bought a Xbox 360 when we moved in which was working fine for the first 4 months, a couple of months ago every so often this would randomly turn on and the disc tray would open and it would stay on until one of us manually turned it off. While I was at work and my girlfriend was at home 3 weeks ago it happened again and she thought she would ask out loud if it was our ghost friend and it put the disc tray in and out. We since then have had this happen more frequently and it started responding through the disc tray. When I asked if it died here it turned off the console. Now when it seems to have enough of our conversations it turns the console off. This morning it woke me up turning the Xbox on again and has done it a few times today whenever I have been in the room. My girlfriend and myself went for a shower and she had no marks on her we came out had sex and once we finished the Xbox turned on again and kept doing the disc tray thing until we went though, I asked it if it liked me and it responded and when I asked if it wanted us to go back through to the bedroom it turned the console off again. We got back through to the bedroom and we noticed some red scratches on my girlfriend's lower stomach area. We have had a few early pretest signs recently that she may be pregnant and it feels a bit off that these scratches have turned up. Does this sound like we have a ghost? Should we be worried? Do we just try and be friends with it?
I am a 25-year-old female, and I would really appreciate a logical explanation for this. For the past four mornings, I've woken up only to find blood specks in my bathroom sink. I noticed this before I go to brush my teeth first thing. The previous three nights, I've chalked it up to something I spilled or maybe a cut I have. However, today, I hadn't used the sink whatsoever and found three spots of partially dried blood. The blood is not mixed with anything, toothpaste or other fluids. I've checked the ceiling, my tap, and my cabinet for any drips. This included checking each product I own, and I have none that are this color. And sorry to add, I am not experiencing that time of the month. I live in a shared house with six girls. However, I have my own room and bathroom, which are locked at all times. I've spoken to them, and they are just as confused as I am. I am heavily medicated to sleep each night as I suffer from insomnia, but I have never been known to sleepwalk. I can't understand how I could get drops of blood into the sink with no visible marks on me, or no blood on the sheets or my hands. Lastly, my biggest fear is insects. I am open to the fact that it could be insects, but I don't own any pets, to partially rule out fleas, keep my area clean and dry, and have no other symptoms of insects in my room, let alone bloodsucking ones. Sorry for the long post. Please let me know what you think. I'm a little scared to sleep tonight if it's insects, lol. Recently I relocated to the Midwest after over 40 years in my home state. A friend I had came here a few years ago to live and told me it would be a great place for me to start fresh with a new beginning. I've bought a home and started settling in with hope. Naturally I reconnected with her family also, one of which is a brother I didn't know well but knew of him. We found a lot in common and saw each other daily. He started staying at my house a lot and helping out with projects I wanted to do. Everything was going well until about three weeks ago. The brother also owns his home which is across from a cemetery. It was built in 1940 and just about everyone has a story about some experience they've had in his house. A woman who cooks breakfast, which you can even smell, a man in an old-fashioned hat who peeks around corners, two little girls who ask you to come play with them and more characters who are no longer alive. I've not had any kind of contact at this house or any other and assumed eventually I would. But not this crazy. I've been staying there helping pack up because he has sold the house. There are a lot of mice and having been left with four cats I decided to take two over there and leave two at my house. So in the mornings and evenings I run to my house which is close by and feed the two there. Last night I was also cooking a dinner at his house and needed some items so I was a little longer coming back. When I pulled in the driveway he didn't come out to grab a bag or anything and I could hear rush blasting from the living room so I thought he probably didn't hear me. The front door is glass and I could see him on the couch. I opened the storm door, it was unlocked, but the front door was locked when I tried to open it. Like I said I could see him, I could hear the music so I knocked on the glass. He looked over at me and I heard a woman's voice say hey there is a girl at your door. She stood up from the chair in the living room and started walking toward the door. He said to her look, this wasn't planned and I don't even know who she is. What? I really banged on the glass then while he continued with their conversation and ignored me. 
I finally threw the bag of groceries at the door and went down to my car. I called his sister who came about 30 minutes later and she went in to see what was going on. I also wanted her to grab my overnight bag so I could go home. She came out to the car and said that he told her there was no one there and he hadn't been sitting on the couch he had been bathing and never heard my knock and certainly didn't sit and have a conversation with a woman while I was there. He says no one had been there at all and I was making it up. My friend checked the entire house, all closets, the attic and basement and no one was there. She said at first she didn't believe me but later said she did. She changed her mind when I said what I saw him wearing which is nothing like or a color he would wear. She says she thinks that spirits or demons did it and he has no clue to what I'm talking about. Can this happen? Could they take the form of a walking talking human? I'm having a hard time not thinking that he is just another asshole who sigh those things. I saw him. I heard him. I haven't spoken to either of them today nor have they tried calling me. I'm confused. I was driving down Route 11 on February 16, 1996. It was very cold, probably below zero. When a bunch of white doves flew up from the road. I have never seen white doves in this area. That night at 2.23, I received the worst phone call in my life. My father suffered a massive heart attack and died at home. Fast forward six years driving to work in July out in the middle of nowhere South Carolina. I had a flock of white doves fly up. That day, I got a phone call. My precious grandmother died. I was just wondering. I was at work and an older faculty member I'd never met came by while I was working. She started talking to me about how she wished she'd gone into my specific profession because she would have been happier with her life. Weird conversation for a stranger. Anyway, she ends up telling me her name at some point since we might eventually meet again. And at the end of the convo I said something along the lines of nice meeting you, Mary and she turned white as a ghost. Told me that Mary was her mother's name who'd recently passed, and that her own name wasn't even close to that, started with a different letter and everything. Maybe half of it was her mother talking to me about her regrets in life? I still don't know how to process that whole thing. So this is a story from about three years ago now, and I never really have been able to get an answer. I have honestly never thought about asking Reddit until now, and it could put the issue to rest for me. When I was in middle school, I was friends with a kid in my school I played sports with let's call him Kyle. Kyle and I were never very good friends, acquaintances at most but still amicable towards one another. Kyle and I knew each other for two years before he moved away, and I stopped thinking about him for at least 1.5 to 2 years as we remained out of touch. Fast forward to high school and a very very strange incident occurred. A normal night for me, going to bed around 11.30pm until I had an obscure dream. The dream had me walking through a house I had never seen, into a room where I saw a figure under a blanket sitting on the bed. It was Kyle, as he threw off the covers and showed me his phone, with a girl on FaceTime, asking me if I thought she was hot. I woke up around 2.30am according to my watch, thought it was odd, 
given the fact I had not seen or thought about Kyle for years, and went back to sleep. Now, when I woke up in the morning I saw I had a missed call from Kyle. I called him back and lo and behold he jumps on the phone saying something to the effect of man I had such a weird dream about you last night. I asked him what it was, and he proceeded to tell me the exact same sequence of events, except from his POV down to the last detail, clothes color, words said, everything. And lastly, at the same exact time as he said he woke up around 2.30. I had chills run down my spine, I've never heard anything like it before and still have not had anyone say they've experienced similar. Does anyone have an explanation for this? My mom thinks it's a God-given dream, which I wouldn't necessarily rule out but obviously would like other input. If anyone has any plausible ideas, please let me know. Bit of a backstory. When I was about 10, my mother started experimenting with drugs. They ended up tearing my childhood apart. Around age 12, I had to resort to stealing food from friends, stealing money, and just in general had it really rough. I moved out at 15, but this isn't about me. Before age 10 my life was pretty good. Normal even. After the drugs, my mom changed and I never saw that version of her again. Our relationship was as good as it could have been. I still looked at her as my mom, and she loved me as her son. Addiction is a bitch. When she was high, she was her, just. Sketchy. But sometimes she would have these weird snaps of total lucidity and intelligence, borderline prophetic. Now, anyone who knows a drug addict knows that they say some pretty out there s. She was no different. But anyone who knows will also know that they will sometimes be them again for snapshots of time. I was 25, and I hadn't gone to her house in about a year. She invited me over to have dinner. I could tell right away that she was high, but I didn't want to embarrass her so I just enjoyed myself and made her know that I was appreciative. During dinner, as I was in the middle of telling her about my work she cut me off and said I'll drop the guitar. To which I said sorry? You dropped a guitar? And she says hey? What are you talking about? You just said something about my guitar I said again. Honey I didn't say anything. I was listening about your job. I didn't think much of it. Life for us both went on as normal. On my 30th birthday she phoned me to catch up and give me birthday wishes. The conversation wasn't a good one. She started crying, was apologetic, and just not doing well. While I was talking her down and consoling her, she said in that same tone, I hope the TV doesn't break. To which, again, I replied with confusion. Again, she didn't believe me when I asked her what she meant. When I was 29, her addiction had hit a point where I had to finally just distance myself. I didn't talk to her until I was 32. I called her to just make sure she was okay. The conversation was sad, as she acted like time didn't exist and that we never had any fights or anything. Her mind was just gone. Replaced by the worst type of addict. As I was wrapping up the call she said I'm just really sorry about the smell. I can't help it. But this time she sounded so, so sad. Like one of the saddest tones it ever heard and I don't know why. In April, 2022 I hadn't spoken to her in years. 
I was about to head to a friend's place with my wife and as we were heading out the door we heard a loud bang from our spare room. When I went and I found my guitar, which is a wall-mounted Les Paul, heavy guitar for those who don't play, across the room. While it definitely spooked me, it wasn't until the drive when my wife said hey didn't your mom say something about a guitar years ago? Which got me a bit. I dunno. Weirded out. When we got home I tried to call her to see if she'd remember. No answer. The next day I'm gaming in the living room with my wife, and my TV just falls directly forward. This is a four-legged, 30-pound TV on a flat surface. No wind. No kids. No pets. It just. Fell. A few days go by, and as my wife and I were dead asleep, we both shot up wide awake to the sound of a loud bang from the side room followed by what sounded like a couple foot stomps. I checked the room, the guitar again was across the room, but this time I was legitimately scared as I made absolutely sure that it was mounted. It just wasn't possible. That Friday, I get a call from my brother. The police called him and let him know that she had died. I flew back home to take care of whatever came next. I was the only person since the police or hazmat services to enter the house. Turns out she had been dead for three weeks in the home. The smell is something that I will never, ever be able to erase from my memory. I'm not a superstitious person. I wasn't raised with that type of stuff. My life has taught me to be real, see real, and rely on things I can objectively prove. I didn't know where else to post this, but the unexplained nature of these drug-fueled, nearly prophetic premonitions about her own death and how she will let me know has forever changed me, explained or not. Edit, just wanted to say thanks to everyone for your kind words and insights. Reading through your comments has been really nice for me. Best of luck to you all on your journeys.